Welcome to A Wild New Work, Ecological Guidance for Your Career. This podcast is about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life, and it's all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm your host, Megan Leatherman. Hello, friends. Happy Beltane. Today is May 1st, um, which is the Beltane holiday, an ancient Gaelic fire festival that actually marked the halfway point between spring and summer. Um, And in some cultures, it actually marked the beginning of summer. So um, one thing that I read about it said that it was a springtime festival of optimism, which I think is just so sweet and definitely how it's feeling here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, There's so much that's in bloom and in these vibrant greens and, you know, all these colors and the bees are out, the butterflies, all these pollinators, the birds. Um, it really is such an optimistic, beautiful time. Um, and in ancient tradition, this was the time when livestock would be let out to their summer pastures and people would perform rituals with fire in order to sort of ask for their protection over the livestock and the summer crops. Um, so this is a, a big time. I think it marks a big threshold. And um, even if you're not feeling that or not feeling great you can look around you and likely find that there's tremendous growth and blossoming and this sense of like sort of forging ahead, which is really, really lovely. But with our conditioning, most of us who grew up in this sort of Western um, European centric kind of culture, we have been taught that that kind of growth, we've, we've sort of become accustomed to moving really quickly, but in a way that leads to burnout. We're not really taught, at least I wasn't, we're not taught how to create these sort of strong energetic containers for our own change and growth. So we move quickly and we do a lot and we wear ourselves out often very quickly. Um, And for some people it takes many, many years and, you know, sense of breaking down before they can sort of realign and come back to their own natural pace. And for some of us, um, we're more sensitive to that and kind of ebb and flow and are highly aware of when we're pushing too much. But I think we all have room to grow or things to learn about timing and pacing ourselves and um, not pushing, but really trusting in the cycle of things and harvest and when it's time for something to go and when it's time for something to um, be planted. So if we look around you in nature, you find that the growth that we see is really balanced. There's so much blooming and growing right now, but it's also deeply rooted, right? There's not this sense of like desperation or pushing. Um, and today I want to share some kind of nature-based ways to discover your own pace and then work in alignment with that so that you can be as big and vibrant at this time as you need to be or want to be. And if you're feeling like shit and things are really hard and you certainly don't feel like you're blooming or blossoming, it could be an issue with your sense of timing and a sort of detachment from your own natural pace. Um, I often feel really yucky when I'm in a place that may look slower or may seem more deliberate and I put pressure on myself to go more quickly. Um, I can create the sort of stress in my body because I feel like I'm not moving quickly enough. I'm not going fast enough. I'm not far along as along far as far along as I think I should be. And that causes 
pain and suffering. So I hope that this episode is sort of an antidote to that. Um, I want to share a big special announcement before I dive into the content today. Um, if you listened to last the last podcast episode, I shared that I've um, rebranded a little bit and have moved away from MeganLeatherman.com and have sort of decided to call my entire business A Wild New Work. So it's now at AWildNewWork.com. And part of why I did that was because I knew that something new was being born and it needed a different, bigger container for it. And that is what's called a wild new school. Um, This project has been over a year in the making and it's a collaboration with my dear friend and a gifted therapist and coach named Megan Miller. Um, And over the course of the last year, we have created this season-based curriculum for career development. Um, And if you have listened to this podcast before or know me and my work, then you know that I believe that every season has its own flavor and wisdom for our lives. And that includes our careers, of course. And so Megan and I have developed this model for growth at work that follows the seasonal changes, particularly, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere of the U.S., since that's where we're based. Um, So I just want to share some... um, some of the themes that we've kind of put together in the last year and um, what we've learned from nature about timing and what is most appropriate in which season. So in the fall, we focus on the sense of refinement, harvesting the crops, choosing what needs to go, what needs to be planted again next year. In the winter, we go slower, the days are darker, we rest, we integrate change. Um, in the spring, you know, the days are getting longer now, we plant new seeds, we find inspiration, we forge a new path forward. It's a great time for deciding to make change in our careers and planting the seeds for that. And then in the summer, we expand upon what we've planted. We watch these things grow. We nurture them. We tap into our strengths and we take really aligned action in our careers. Um, In my life and in the work I've done with hundreds of professionals, and I know this is true for Megan as well, this alignment with the seasons and what is happening in real life around us is so powerful because it shows us what to do. It shows us how to act, how to take care of ourselves, and truly step into a wild new way of working, a way of working that honors our strengths, prioritizes the well-being of our bodies and our souls. You know, it puts us in right relationship with ourselves, with others, and with the natural world around us. You know, we, I'm sure you know this, we are not separate from nature. And yet so much about career development and professional growth is still stuck in this old industrial kind of anti-nature, anti-natural model. And a wild new school is one, you know, humble, but I think really powerful antidote to that. So I am so excited to launch this school. It is absolutely the right time. Um, And Megan and I will begin with the summer course, which is called Expand. And it's going to start on the summer solstice, June 20th. And it will be 10 weeks of online community learning with potential in-person work if you're in the Portland area, but you don't have to be. Um, 
And I just think it's really going to rock your socks off. I'm really, really excited. And I'll share more in the coming episodes as we lead up to the solstice. But if you want to learn more, you can visit awildnewwork.com slash awildnewschool. Um, and that link is included in the show notes below. So that is my big share. And um, you'll hear more in the month or so to come. So with that, why don't we do our opening invocation? So wherever you are, you can see if you can get settled a little bit more in your body or in your seat. Take a deep breath with me. May this episode and each of us that are listening to it be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors, known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Chinook people who are the original stewards of the land that I am on. Um, You may remember that I offered a guided nature walk called Rewilding Work last weekend, and it was really, really lovely. And thank you to those of you who came out. And one part of our discussion during our tea ceremony was about this sense of, or this reality really, of the constant sense of rushing in our workplaces, Um, the pressure to move quickly, to push, this value of, you know, the faster something happens, the better. Um, I think in our culture, and this shows up so much at work, we've lost an appreciation for things that take time, right? And I think part of that is natural. I see it in my toddler. Um, You know, she hates waiting for things. She's very impatient and kind of impulsive, and that's totally normal for her brain development right now. But I think some of us um, still get trapped in that place where it's really hard to wait for things to be ripe. It's hard to wait for the crops to grow. It's hard to wait for the food to cook. It's hard to wait for the right job opportunity to come along. Um, It's hard to be patient. We want results now. And that gets reinforced and amplified in the culture around us where many things are immediately available. And if they're not, we wonder why they're not. And should we should we make them more available? Should we be available online all the time by email? Should we, you know, be updating our LinkedIn status all the time? There's a lot of pressure in our work cultures to be moving very quickly. Um, and I, as I was putting my notes for this episode together, I remembered, um, a little, (laughs) um, what do I want to call it? a thing that would happen at a former workplace that I was in. And I don't know if it's just because it was a startup or, um, it, maybe this is just happens in that one workplace, but two of my supervisors would not infrequently, not all the time, but would regularly be running in the office (laughs) between meetings or to get on a call. And like, you know, not sprinting, but like legitimately running through the office. And every time I would see that, I would know that it was absurd. And like, what, like, what is so urgent that, that you need to be running through the office? And thankfully, I don't think I ever did it, but I certainly also felt the pressure to move very, very quickly. Um, if I think back to myself at this time, at that time when I was in that organization, um, there was no sense of 
slow and steady. Um, you know, I think my supervisors were very wise in many ways, but we were all part of this culture where the faster something could happen, the better. And quality was a little less important than speed and the efficiency to get it out to market and to get it happening. Um, and I just, I laughed to myself every time I think of them running through the office, you know, because it's just so absurd, but then it's also very sad and tragic that, you know, something that we were all stuck in this storm that told us that we had to run, we couldn't eat, we couldn't walk slowly and connect with other people. And it's just, it's just toxic, right? I mean, rushing and urgency make total sense in a crisis. You know, if I am in the emergency room, I don't want everyone around me to be all relaxed, going slowly, taking their time. I want them to be thinking clearly, but rushing is appropriate in that scenario where there's someone who's truly in crisis, where their life is on the line or they're in great pain or there is, you know, true suffering that needs to be taken care of. And a lot of us think that we're in crisis during our work days, but we almost never are. True crisis, true like immediacy is actually very rare at work. We just think it's real and that sends the body into fight, flight, or freeze mode where our cognitive abilities are impaired. We can make poor judgments. Our adrenal glands are pumping cortisol into our bloodstream, which of course is unsustainable over a long period of time and can become toxic to the body. So the sense of crisis and urgency that's so prevalent in our workplaces um, is is often not actually real. I know it feels real and we're all experiencing it through our bodies, but true immediacy where there's like, where you need to call an ambulance or where there's true crisis is actually very rare. And I encourage you, if you're in a place where there's this sense of like, everything is urgent, everything is a crisis, I encourage you to either internally or externally begin to kind of push back on that a little bit or even call it into awareness and really ask yourself or your team, you know, is there truly an emergency here? If not, and there's usually not, let's, you know, take a deep breath or let's enjoy this meal or let's do something that will enable us to think more clearly and actually make judgments and decisions that serve our work for the long term. In the plant world, Timing is everything. I think the natural world, which of course we are a part of, knows so much about rhythms and appropriate aligned timing. Um, The ancient Chinese philosopher and writer Lao Tse wrote that nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. And I think of that every time I feel like I'm not moving quickly enough or I'm not doing things fast enough. When a plant is truly in crisis, when it can't get the resources it needs, whether it's water or sunlight or nutrients from the soil, it will go to seed too early and just send out, you know, seeds as quickly as it can, or it will send out these sort of premature shoots to try and get what it needs. But most plants don't do that because they've learned how to work within their ecosystems and proliferate and grow at the right times when they do have what they need and they're not in crisis. And we are nature as well, and we have our own internal clocks and rhythms, but most of us have unlearned them in favor of the sort of cultural command to go at top speed all of the time. And that's why I think living and working in alignment with the seasons is so powerful, because it reminds us of our own internal pace, 
which is perfect and which does allow us to accomplish all that we need to. We don't have to rush and hurry. What needs to happen, what is truly valuable will happen. What's meant for us will come. We will know when something is needs to be pushed forward or planted in the ground or let go of. So I want to share some thoughts about how to remember our own pace and to work according to it within the confines of our jobs or our career paths. And the first and most important step to this is really practicing good energetic hygiene. Um, you probably practice good physical hygiene. I assume you you know, shower or brush your teeth and like take care of your physical body, which is wonderful. But most of us neglect our energetic hygiene, which can also take a major toll on us, especially at work. Um, and I want to give you a little example of what I mean by energetic hygiene. So you can imagine yourself walking into a workplace one morning, you're clean, you're alert, you're kind of primed for your day, and you walk into the office and you immediately breathe in this invisible whiff of toxicity. Maybe it's a lack of trust or people gossiping about you or a sense of not belonging in a place, and you may not even notice it. It might not be a big deal, and you just go to your desk. And then you open your email and you see that your boss sent you a passive-aggressive note. And your body, without even being conscious of it, your body releases some stress sludge as a result, and it kind of settles into your stomach. And you may not do anything with it, it's just there, and you may not even be aware of it. And then at a meeting later, someone talks down to you in front of your coworkers, and more stress sludge gets pumped out, but it has nowhere to go. So it tries to ooze out through your pores, or it might come out as rage later, or sadness. So... I hope you get the idea, right? These things, these little digs or these disappointments at work, we think they don't affect us, but of course they do. And some of us are very sensitive. Other people may not be as sensitive or they may not think they're as sensitive, but we're all affected by the sort of energetic dynamics happening around us and the emotional um, impact that these things take on us. Our bodies are the vessels for our careers. I think we forget this a lot. We experience our work lives through our bodies, whether we work from home in an office, whether we do manual labor, mental labor, emotional labor, it all comes through the body. So even if you love your work and who you work with, the excitement and output of energy can still take a toll on the body. There is good stress to be sure, stress that actually nourishes the body, but too much of any one chemical release can begin to strain our internal ecosystems. So most of us wash the physical dirt and grime off of our bodies regularly, but a lot of us still neglect to practice emotional and energetic hygiene, which means, you know, tending to the pain or the shame that comes up in the workday, washing off emotional toxicity from other people, which has been shown to be just as toxic as secondhand smoke. Um, we need to kind of ground down all of the excitement and good feelings that come, come up in our body or come up in our careers to sort of let them go down and nourish us at our roots without taking a lot of energetic, um, without taking a lot of energy from us. So without processing all of this stuff that we experience every day, we lose track of what our own pace is and what's needed and when. We act 
like we're in crisis mode because the body often actually is in crisis mode. It's inundated with stress or um, feelings that need to be processed. Um, I think, you know, I'll share a little bit about what it looks like when we don't practice hygiene and you may recognize yourself or other people that you have worked with because it, it becomes very obvious once you're aware of it. And, you know, this is a complicated topic because everyone comes from different backgrounds and experiences and we all see and feel our world differently, often based on our childhood and our subconscious mind. Um, you know, some people carry trauma from childhood and are easily triggered or very sensitive. Some are unfairly impacted by microaggressions because of their race, sexual orientation, or identity. So this is complicated, but at base, we all need energetic and emotional hygiene practices because when that gunk kind of builds up inside of us, it takes its toll on our bodies and it takes its toll on our our spirits and the way we make decisions about what's appropriate and what's right for us in our careers. So I'll share some examples of red flags that show up in my life and tell me that I need to kind of amplify my hygiene practice. So the one of them is just feeling stressed out all day, every day at work. I have been there where the cortisol is pumping every day, all day, often before and after work. Um, and it's not a pleasant place to be. And it's a good indicator that some serious hygiene is needed. Um, another one is feeling unable to empathize with the employees that I was there to support. Um, I know a lot of you listening are either in management positions or human resources or support others in some way. And when we begin to have a hard time empathizing or feeling compassion for the people that we're there to support, it's a good sign that we need to dial it back a little bit and do some real self-care so that we can be in a more receptive, caring place. Um, Another one is being really defensive of my status at work or my projects at work, not being able to take feedback um, because I was so on edge and sort of amplified that I couldn't um, receive any support or feedback about what was or wasn't working. Um, feeling consumed by inadequacy and being paralyzed by not feeling good enough. That's a a big red flag that you need some of this energetic hygiene because that's not the truth of who you are. You are not inadequate or um, not good enough. You absolutely are. And so when those feelings come up, it can be a good sign that your body and your spirit just need some care. Um, on the flip side, I know many of those are painful experiences. I've also felt really excited and optimistic about work, but was really tired at the same time. So not having the energy to actually execute what I was excited about is, a, is another red flag that shows me that I need some extra hygienic practices. So when I'm in these states of being, and if you see yourself in any of them, that's great because it's building awareness and that's the first step to making any change. When we're in these kinds of states of being, we're not able to drop in and really sense what the priorities were, what was really important, what could wait, what was ready to harvest, what needed to just be let go altogether. So when we can tap back into our natural rhythms and really see clearly what's ready to go, what needs to wait or what needs to be let go of, 
we're in alignment with our own right timing and with the natural world around us. Um, when we're in that state of groundedness, we can remember that just like the plants we see around us, we can bloom and be firmly rooted at the same time. We can be growing like crazy, whatever that looks like to us, stretching toward the sun, putting shoots out, maybe putting, um, beginning to open some buds of flowers that are ready to bloom. We can do that and still be tending to our bodies and feeling healthy. And in fact, true blossoming, true growth, true vibrancy is impossible without um, feeling grounded and you know, balanced in whatever way makes sense to you and your body. You may not feel that great in your body. You know, you may be dealing with chronic illness or chronic pain or inflammation, and that doesn't mean that you are um, never going to be able to blossom or bloom or like really take right action in your career or in your life. That's not it at all. We all have to determine what it means for us to be grounded and centered. And that's going to look different for each of us, depending on our experiences and our bodies and our um, general well-being. So with that said, there's no reason that why we can't make positive changes at work and in our lives and feel grounded at the same time. It's just that the changes that we make aren't going to come out of crisis mode. They'll come from a much more stable place. So I want to share four elemental sort of categories for how to practice good energetic and emotional hygiene. Um, And the first one is just to really do whatever makes sense to you. Um, I trust you and your body completely. Um, I encourage you to trust your body completely. It will show you what it needs. Um, the things I'll share are what have worked for me and for others that I've supported, but you are the expert on your own self-care you know, in and outside of work. I'll also say that your body is already doing a lot of processing for you. Um, you know, the feelings that come up, the powerful sort of um, chemical releases that we experience when we feel rejected or ashamed at work or when we feel really excited or elated about a new thing or new possibility, all of that energy has to go somewhere. Um, And your body is already processing it and digesting it for you. So if nothing else, you can just give your body what you know it needs in terms of rest, um, food that it needs, hydration, um, exposure to natural light, fresh air, all of the kind of basic fundamental um, components of self-care. So once you're doing that and kind of at base giving your body generally what you believe that it needs, I want to share four categories or other exercises that you can do to kind of process what's coming up and practice good energetic hygiene, which I think um, ideally should be done every day, sometimes multiple times a day. So I split these out according to their element because I felt like that was a helpful way to remember them. And I'm going to just share a lot and you take whatever feels most useful to you at this time. If some of these don't resonate with you, you can just let them go. Just take and modify whatever makes sense to you. So I'm going to start with the earth element. Um, One of the things that has been most helpful and most um, powerful for me and many others is a grounding practice. And what this means is essentially imagining and 
I believe in reality kind of energetically connecting with the earth. So at the core of the earth, there is this magma that's incredibly magnetic. I think it's iron and nickel, and it creates this insane magnet at the at the center of the earth that helps us stay in orbit and spinning correctly and all of that good stuff. So gravity and this magnet kind of pull us toward the earth. And it's really healthy for us to imagine kind of rooting into the earth and sharing nutrients and releasing compost into it. Um, we can imagine ourselves like a big tree and you can imagine roots coming out from your pelvic floor or your, um, your root chakra and kind of sending an actual root or what's called a grounding cord down into the earth. And I like to imagine it going down like really, really deep into the earth until I sort of sense that it anchors and there's a connection made and I'm sort of firmly rooted in. Um, and then you can imagine sort of scanning your body and seeing if there's anything, any feelings or thoughts or experiences that just need to be let go and kind of composted and recycled into the earth. And you can also very, you know, respectfully and gratefully draw up nutrients from the earth itself. And if you're thinking like, this is ridiculous, like none of this is real, that's fine. I encourage you to still just play around with it and see how you feel. You can imagine nutrients like this really dark, rich soil kind of coming up your grounding cord and kind of pooling in your lower belly and in your hips and really making the lower half of your body heavy, like really rooted and grounded. Um, and you can do this. I do it daily. You can do it anytime. You can just, you know, flash in your imagination, the sense of a grounding cord going down and just really connecting with the earth and processing, letting go of the things that are ready to go and drawing up what it is that you need. And you can just be playful with that and notice what you feel. Um, the next element I'll share is fire. So fire is incredibly purifying and helps us transform experiences that need to be digested or processed so that we can learn from them and integrate them and then move on. Um, and fire is all about like movement and, you know, quick movement and um, transformation and purification. And one of the things that I found to be most helpful when we're, we need more energetic or emotional hygiene is to really move our bodies with a clear intention of processing what needs to be processed. So if you're running, you can imagine and just kind of ask your body to digest any toxicity that's ready to go, any difficult emotions that need to be integrated and digested, um, and kind of imagine you pulling strength from those experiences and using them as fuel to, to burn, um, for your muscles to burn, to help you to move. And it doesn't have to be running. It can be any movement practice. It can be a bike ride or a walk or, um, a yoga practice, but really setting that intention at the outset that this is a chance for your body to process all of the things that have come up um, and to do away with what's not yours and not for you anymore and to keep what's most helpful, just like you would digest food. Um, so the water element, one of the more gentle kind of really nice practices that I use is um, 
to, again, set an intention at the beginning of a shower or bath and really um, allowing the water with your imagination and in reality to purify you, not not just physically, but also emotionally and energetically. You can kind of scrub your body and imagine scrubbing off anything that you don't want to carry with you into the day, anything that someone you know, said or feelings that came up or um, experiences that you want to let go of. Um, and not in a way that's like pushing them down or trying to get rid of them, but in a way that's really acknowledging the lessons you can cull from them, but not holding on to anything that's just not for you anymore or that's not helpful. And as you scrub and kind of imagine all of those things going down the drain, you can complete your shower and get out. And I encourage you to sort of notice how your aura feels around you. Um, Your aura is sort of your energetic shell, like an egg around your body, um, and it can extend wide or be very close to you. And I encourage you to just see if you can sort of fill your aura with yourself, with your own healthy balance and energy, and see if the shower or the bath has helped you kind of clear away anything that's not for you. And just sort of checking in with that on a regular basis is really healthy and will help you stay clear and sort of process the things that come up in our day-to-day lives and at work. The last element that I want to talk about is the air element. Um, So one thing that a lot of people use is smoke, clearing with smoke, either um, burning mugwort or um, sage, which is, you know, sacred to many Native American people. So I encourage you to look up what kind of smudging is um, indigenous to you and your culture. Um, but a lot of people like to burn something to kind of imagine purifying the air and studies actually show that it does purify the air. So you can imagine sort of burning off anything or clearing away anything that doesn't serve you or doesn't work or isn't for you anymore. Um, a lot of times my therapist, Rachel, in our sessions, you know, if something really difficult or kind of yucky comes up, she'll actually open a window and kind of shoo it out of the room. Um, and again, I don't know if any of this really works. Like I couldn't show you a study. I mean, I probably could find one, but I don't have one. But it, you notice a difference in how it feels. And I have noticed absolutely the amount of like shit or gunk that I'm carrying with me all day really lessens when I do these practices. Um, I think it starts with the intention and then the actual physical movement, whether it's sending a grounding cord down, burning something, shooing it out of the window, out of the door. Um, This stuff really makes an impact and it will serve you in many, many ways. Um, The last exercise I'll share is one I learned from my acupuncturist, Lindsay Buchanan, And it's a heart-centered breathing exercise. Um, And what she recommended was that if we feel like we are maybe carrying like worries or fears that are from other people or that aren't really for us, or we notice like pain in our body that might not, um, that we might've kind of carried from the people that we're around, or if we just feel sort of heavy and tired, one thing that we can do is to imagine breathing in this kind of white light down through the crown of our head. And then as we exhale, imagine it coming out both sides of our heart chakra. So in front of us and behind us and kind of imagining or letting that white light clear away anything that's just not 
for us anymore. Um, and kind of using it as a way to clear out what needs to go. So again, what's important here is really your awareness and your intention to keep what's useful and release what's not for you. And to kind of imagine your body and your aura really clear and filled with you, your essence, which can of course include pain and joy and all of the feelings that are natural to being human, but it allows you to not carry around anything that's you know, dead on the vine that needs to go or anything that you've adopted or taken on from other people. Because many of us are really sensitive. And even if we don't think of ourselves as sensitive, we are constantly picking up stuff from other people. Um, emotions are not a isolated, singular experience. We share them with one another. So we want to be really diligent just like we are with our physical hygiene, with our energetic hygiene. So once you are taking care of yourself and practicing good hygiene, whether it's the things that I shared above or your own practice, once you're there, you can then clearly discern what it means for you to go at your own pace in your career. And I just want to say that right now there is no... there is no one right speed for growth in your professional life. There is nowhere else you're supposed to be. You are here now in this moment in your life at this job or in this role or in this, you know, um, liminal in between period. And that is exactly where you should be because it's where you are. And it's not where you'll stay forever because nothing is permanent And it may not be fair because injustice and disparity is absolutely real in our workplaces, but it is where you are. So trust that you have what it takes to make the most of your situation and to nourish yourself through or out of it if you need to be out of it. So knowing that your pace may look differently from the paces of other people, you can still tap in and learn more about what kind of speed is right for you at this time in your career. Some of the time, the pace at which we work isn't up to us because we're working with other people or we are within an organization that has a set speed, which is often either like stagnant and nothing's happening or it's rushed and people are sprinting around the office. But no matter what, we're always empowered to notice what happens in our bodies when we stall change or push too hard and to make whatever tweaks we can, even if other people don't like it or they think we're going too slow or too fast. You know, just because you're paid to be at a place doesn't mean that you should sacrifice your well being or what you know is right for the work, um, what you believe is the right pace for the work or for your body. So there's the the issue of kind of finding our own right timing within the confines of our workplace and the people that we work with. But then in the larger sense of career change and growth, we can still learn about how we stall ourselves and our own growth or how we rush things and try to harvest before things are really ready. So if we're grounded and reflecting regularly, we will know if we are preventing something from happening or if we're pushing before it's really ready. I want to share a quick example of what this might look like. So let's say that someone has been laid off and they have two more weeks at their job before they are terminated. I hate that word, laid off. Um, And they have an opportunity now to 
first just grieve the pain of that. You know, it may have been a surprise. It comes with a sense of uncertainty. Um, there's a sense of loss. It's really painful. So we can look at that and process that. And then, not that it's over with, but in the midst of that, this person then gets to choose how they're going to cope with that two-week off-ramp. If they don't practice any self-care or energetic hygiene, they will likely freak out and desperately do whatever it takes to find a new job, a new source of income. And it might feel really hard because it's tough to determine what's next and how best to get there when we are in crisis mode, when we're not processing the things that are coming up and taking care of ourselves. They may also freeze and be in denial about what's ahead, not doing anything because they're paralyzed by fear and having a hard time processing all of those feelings. But if they practice radical self-care, practice energetic hygiene, and process the feelings of loss that are coming up, they will be centered and they will know what they want next, be able to determine the next right step, and they will probably engender more help from others because they're coming at the problem from a grounded place. And that doesn't mean that they don't need a job just as quickly, but their actions are more akin to what the natural world shows us. You know, it shows us to stabilize, to take small steps, and to trust that what we need will reveal itself when it's the right time. So whether you are in pain at work and you want out immediately, or if you're loving your work and wish that more of it were happening, I encourage you to just trust your own perfect timing. Trust your body's timing. You know, appreciate the beauty that can come from waiting for something to really ripen and be ready for the picking. Um, This is such a potent, powerful time of year. And if you've been feeling down or like things aren't happening quickly enough, I encourage you to practice some of the energetic hygiene tips that I shared and see if you can really get grounded and connected to the earth. You know, the plants and the animals all around you can show you how to revel in right timing, how to act without rushing, and how to accomplish everything that wants or needs to be accomplished at this time. And you know, that that may look like a lot to other people, and it may look like a little bit to other people, but it's all good. You are not the same professional person that you were a year ago at the last Beltane threshold. Even if you're in the same job or the same line of work or the same cycle of unemployment, there has still been change. And if there's been a lot of change, you can still be really grounded in the midst of that and and accomplish the things, the new things that want to come through or release the things that are ready to go. There is still tremendous potential ahead of all of us this late spring and summer. Um, So I encourage you to just really, wherever you're listening, whatever time of year it is, trust yourself and your natural rhythms. Go at your own perfect pace. And when it's time to do a thing, you'll know. You will know. I, I believe that completely. So that's what I have for you, my friends. Thank you for listening and sharing this with me. If this felt helpful to you, I would appreciate it so much if you would leave a rating or a review or share it with a coworker. Um, I learned how important it is to um, hit a certain number of ratings because otherwise uh, the podcast won't show up in the search queue. Um, So if you have a moment to tap, you know, 
five stars, I hope, um, in your iTunes app, that would be really, really helpful and, and support this work. So be well, I will see you or be back in your ears again in about two weeks around the full moon. And, um, yeah, I'll take, I'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.